You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT Leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next edition of the IoT Leaders podcast with me, your host, Nick Earle, the CEO of SI. And I'm delighted on this podcast to have my guest, Dimitrios Spiliopoulos. And Dimitrios is from AWS, Amazon Web Services. He's the senior IoT specialist for EMEA for AWS. So Dimitrios, welcome to the IoT Leaders podcast. Thank you very much, Nick, for the invitation and for uh, having me here today. I'm very keen to discuss with you. Thanks again. You're very welcome, as am I. Now, Demetrius, and, and as uh, you will know, and hopefully some of the listeners know, AWS and SI uh, do have a history uh, together in the IoT space. We've been partners for, oh, I would say it's just coming up to five years, I think, and we have a lot of uh, mutual customers, and we've learned a lot of th- things together in that time. And I'm sure we'll cover a few of those things in the uh, brief time that we've got here. But just for the moment, maybe uh, you could just explain uh, uh, what what does your role involve? What what does a senior IoT specialist for EMEA involve at AWS? Yeah, it it involves many things. Uh, It is more around the business development for an IoT business. Uh, I belong in the IoT Worldwide Specialist Organization of AWS, where we help. uh, as specialists, we're helping uh, customers with their um, digital transformation projects where IoT is involved. But also, we're helping our uh, colleagues internally, like account managers and uh, other uh, colleagues to um, to understand better IoT, but also help their customers. So it has an element of enablement internally, but also dealing uh, with the customers outside and trying to understand, get feedback, feedback from what are the needs, uh, what are the trends and feedback the the service team that they're building the IoT services for AWS. And in general, in general, I'm focusing more on uh, scaling activities, trying to scale the adoption of IoT in general, where is my passion, but also the adoption of AWS IoT managed services. Yeah, and, and I mentioned that, um, that, that we've been uh, working together as two companies for about five years. One of the one of the reasons that, that that we thought that AWS would be a couple of reasons really why we thought a, AWS would be successful in this uh, space. First of all, just looking at the numbers, you know, we talked about you know eighty percent of the data is going to be at the edge um, as the number of devices uh, grows exponentially at the edge, and of course, AWS um, uh, really makes money by uh, uh, capturing data by giving insight by adding value to data and then with all the applications to manipulate the data. Um, and so it's natural that AWS would would uh, follow, if you like, the data to the edge. But the second thing is, and I think this is uh, uh, really emerging, uh, from my perspective at least, uh, it, 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 second reason is, is the global nature of AWS. I mean, I've talked a lot on this podcast about our focus being global uh, customers, global deployments, which is where multi-country, multi-regions where a lot of issues often uh, come up because of the fragmented proprietary nature of the mobile network uh, uh, marketplace and landscape. 
And of course, AWS being a, a, a inherently a global a capability is something which gives lots of value to uh, customers. So, so let's 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 double click and and go into what sort of issues uh, do you you must meet a lot of customers all the time, as you said. What what sort of issues do your customers talk to you about? What are you finding are their their biggest challenges? Yeah, uh, I think the the type of challenges is uh, changing right every year because now I think IoT is becoming more mature. Many more companies are uh, doing using IoT or uh, they are thinking very seriously. We're not like three or five, uh, 10 years ago that it was very like emerging technology. Now I think we are in the, more going to the maturity. Uh, so I would start with the first challenge for the companies that they have already started their IoT journey, which is that, they, okay, they, they connected the product, they launched it in the market, they had some success, and now they are thinking, okay, what are we going to do more with IoT, with our already connected product? But also they are, they are wondering what they will do with the version two of their product and how they will be able to monetize the data they have or how they are going to, they are uh, thinking how they can have more data that can offer more value to their customers or create new services and maybe more uh, revenues for their business. So customers are coming to us not only for the services, uh, serverless, let's say, IoT services, but they're coming also to to listen from us how they can get value from their IoT data. And we have several ways that we try to help them. One is with uh, some ideation uh, workshops, and we try to use the Amazon innovation culture, the working uh, backwards, as we say in uh, Amazon, uh, where we try to help the customer uh, to think what they want to do, like to create a press release, with what should be the final announcement of their product, uh, and also okay. give them the tools, let's say, to to analyze their data. This is that's something interesting. That... Uh, that's interesting that you do that. I I I didn't know you actually had formalized that process. I was reminded as you were saying it, almost like um, playing golf. You know, people say, you know, you 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 play backwards from the hole. You know, how many how many shots uh, work work start with the destination and work backwards. It's a common business technique. So you actually have formalized it. You're saying you almost like start off, um, write the press release uh, or uh, 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 the marketing release, whatever, of what you want the success story to be. And then you've got a clear idea of what success looks like and then work backwards as opposed to start with some technology and work forward solving a problem at a time. That, that, that's exactly. The way you go about it. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of uh, you know starting with the technology, or oh, let's do IoT, or let's use these AWS services and partners, we're saying, okay, this is a press release, what we would like to announce, and then we help the customer. And this is actually the methodology that uh, Amazon and AWS use it for use it uh, for uh, all these years. So we have make make it uh, as a workshop to help customer, our customers, uh, you know, learn and do the learn and, and practice this uh, methodology. So if you're going to do that, if, if presumably then that means that you um, you get a selection of different people from the customer to come into some sort of ideation um, workshop. I mean, just the, the pure technology people like, I, wouldn't be enough, would it? I mean, because they would say, well, I, I don't know. I've just been asked to do a certain task or I've got to solve this problem. Yeah. So you actually uh, ask for a certain, I don't know, job titles or uh, people, management as well as technical. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that's a good point because, uh, you know, with 
traditional IT workloads. Usually, uh, we, we had the relationship with IT people, right? Uh, CIOs. But now with IoT, I think uh, we, and, and it's not only AWS, I'm sure you see it also, right, in your business. The discussion is not only with the IT or procurement, but mainly with the business development, with the innovation teams, many times with the CEO of the company, because we're speaking about transformation. Uh, or uh, innovation and changing processes, business models. So yeah, we try to invite the, even the CEO of the company, CFO, marketing people, sales, business development, and of course the tech team of the customer. So, so okay, that's interesting. So I want to go back to the point that you you said and, and skipped over because I think it's it's very pertinent. One of the things, and that was this issue of I think you used the phrase V two of the uh, product and. One of the uh, reasons for doing this um, podcast, uh, I've mentioned it before in previous ones and with previous guests, is that you know we didn't start off saying oh we want to be in the podcast business. We 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 actually were were finding that people really needed help and advice, and they wanted people to guide them through various steps. And 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 you've just mentioned that, and and the Heffel the IoT Leaders uh, podcast series came about, and you've just mentioned that because you said well version one. They've got it to work, but they they but it's essentially a you know in the bench on in the office it it works the prototype works, but having a prototype working and then going for a national or global rollout with all the different components and having to solve it the connectivity uh, you mentioned the device which I'm sure we'll we'll come on to which is a big issue the data capturing the data what to do with the data. So is that also a common thing? After you've done the vision thing, uh, I guess you're then in the process with the customer and you seem to be saying that many customers get going, I guess, fairly quickly, but then where they really need help is scaling it to V2. Yeah, or scaling even from the V1 because they may do a POC or prototype, but then they need to scale. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, we, we see customers that they, they're trying to do everything themselves and uh, sometimes it can take uh, one or two years, but uh, which is very long, right? Maybe your product is outdated after two years, the, your idea from three yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we try always, exactly, yeah. We try to bring uh, partners and always recommend uh, to our customers to work closely with our partners in order to accelerate this uh, journey. Plus, uh, we also try to, we have a prototyping team which is designed to help the customers start at the right way or a professional services. But yeah, we always try to give, you know, the full support of the customer, especially through our partners in order to not wait for a long time until they make a production ready product and scale quickly. And then there are other things around security, right? Around the edge computing, how to do it at the right way, how to reduce the risks. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mentioned at the beginning of the, um, and we're going to get onto security in, in, in edge computing in a second, but let's pick three three subjects to go a bit deeper in now. Let's go to the connectivity, the edge computing, and the, and, the, and the security. If we start off with the connectivity, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you know we've been partnering for almost five years now. One of the areas that we partnered in was on the um, connectivity uh, side. Um, and um, it's interesting what's happened since uh, those early days because we we started off saying you know we have the um, AnyNet SIM which which can connect to over seven hundred networks so therefore you can put a, create a single SKU a, a, a manufacturing SKU 
uh, like Bosch have a single SKU for a robotic lawnmower, sell it around the world in multiple countries. People take it home, buy it through retail, take it home, switch it on, and it works. But what, what's now happening is we're seeing that um, uh, the, the telecoms market, and we talked about this in other podcasts as well, been, is fragmenting even more in that roaming agreements are, are, are actually uh, breaking down because of the financial model uh, in roaming. There's just not enough money, particularly at the low end on narrowband. And so you're now getting a, an even more fragmented market, features like power saving mode, not available on, on many roaming agreements. Therefore, it's even more difficult to take that V1 and scale it because now you have to think about all the different connectivity and all the different markets and, and all of this, uh, this work. And, and that's, that was the genesis of, of the relationship between us that we say, well, with our SKU, we handle that and we localize the, the connection in, in each market. But you mentioned security. We, we, we also um, uh, did some early work uh, together with, with AWS on, on device defender. Security is a big issue for our customers. It must come up in, in every, um, in every, uh, every conversation that you have. Uh, what sort of questions and, and what sort of concerns and advice do people uh, really, uh, what, what are the concerns that they have and what advice are, are, you, uh, are, are they wanting from you in the area of security? Because it's such a broad, broad topic for IoT. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, we see customers coming to us, uh, you know, asking about the basic, like how to start with the security, how to do the basics, right? How to do the, you know, the access management uh, uh, properly to not give uh, access to everyone to their uh, data lake or to their storage, to their data, or how to uh, minimize the um, the access to each uh, person based on what they have to do at their uh, job. Uh, so these are some basics which are not only for IoT, right? This classic uh, IT security, uh, but also about the encryption. Like all the AWS IoT services are encrypted by uh, by default. So this is something we always recommend the customers about the uh, device ID, how to manage them at scale, um, and the the key um, identity, the, the device identities. Also, how to be able to know that. Uh, your uh, device is not compromised and it's not that it's coming the message or data from another source. So we try to help uh, with all of this. Uh, our solution architects actually, for the specialist IoT are getting in these discussions for uh, security for the IoT core service. But this is, I think, is the basic security. Uh, as you mentioned, device defender, right? So. And this is the service that we always recommend the customers for extra security of their devices. This service is designed for IoT sensors. It's not for something else. It's designed only for connected devices. And I think the most interesting thing that maybe it's worth it to hear for the audience is that since December, we launched a new feature at the Device Defender, which uses machine learning. Uh, in order to identify anomalies at the last 14 days, uh, anomalies at the network, at the traffic, and at the behavior of the device. So it can uh, send alerts and uh, take medication actions. So I think Nick is more about now how we try to, we try to, we, we receive many questions, but we see that uh, it's quite complicating sometimes, right, for customers yes. to handle all of this. Yeah. So we try to simplify it and automate kind of many of the processes 
So no need to have a super cybersecurity expert in the team. Just well, to develop. It's, yeah, and it's interesting that you talk about machine learning because when I mentioned that the, the number of devices is growing exponentially at the edge, it, it is our belief as well as SI that, that the only way you can actually do uh, define and propagate and monitor security policies is, is to do it centrally and use techniques like machine learning to do sort of pattern recognition at the edge. Uh, it, when we're describing a security to um, people, it, I say, look, that's, it, it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around what that means. And, and we say, well, think of like, like the, um, the Nest, uh, Nest thermostat. Look, a Nest thermostat, um, they say, you know, is, is more intelligent than a human because it does pattern matching of what room, we're all creatures of habit, what room do we go in more often? It knows the temp, clearly it knows the temperature outside, it knows the forecast, but it also knows that you don't need the, you know, the, 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 the third bedroom heating on because you never go in there and, and it can monitor you. Um, but then if you apply that to tens, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of devices, the idea of using machine learning to, to recognize patterns, and in this case, as you say, anomaly detection. So it's not that, that, that these things will, will um, or, you know, magically stop any security breach, but the first thing is, is early recognition of unusual behavior. And, and uh, because devices are creatures, devices are habit, uh, if you like, and the earlier you can recognize unusual behavior, the quicker you can look at it, and it might be fine. You say, no, that's fine. There's something going on there. I'm, I'm okay with that. Or it might be not fine uh, because time is so critical, isn't it? When, when there's any sort of uh, security problem, the, 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 one of the, the key issues is, is, is not reacting to it. It's the fact that by the time you spot it, often the damage is done. You proactive, let's say, yeah. or at least to identify it right at the real time that something is going wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and, and given that, um, you guys also, uh, can issue security certificates of security certificate issuing authority, uh, as a hyperscale cloud, uh, provider, you're in a great position to, to actually, uh, um, uh, uh issue this, reissue the certificate and, and to help seal the device, if you like. And that, uh, our, our alliance was around taking that with device defender, um, uh, which we helped. Uh, launch with you it seems like a long time ago now uh, on stage in Chicago. But but the the ability to actually take the device across our network, which is also encrypted, uh, of course, we don't use the public internet. We only we only use encryption, a uh, private networking at all stages, and so that's so it's network level security, which is very important, um, and the ability to then store the security certificates in the SIM with all the security keys is a key part of it. All of which brings us to the third subject, which is um, the hardware side. That's another big area as well. I uh, And the phrase that I'm hearing more and more is MEC or mobile edge compute. You know, we've all lived through this time when we thought that hardware wasn't important. Actually, I would, I would say due to uh, the success of the hyperscale cloud providers like uh, AWS, it's like, well, I, I just need a browser, uh, you know, I know there's hardware, but I'm not managing it anymore. Uh, I've, I'm just doing work. I'm just, uh, I'm just yeah. programming. And, and so, you know, phrases were thrown around like, you know, software is eating hardware. It's all about the software. Even company valuations were very much geared towards software companies, not hardware. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah. 
And then suddenly mobile edge compute arrived and you mentioned the sensors and suddenly now there's, there is a very important piece of hardware at the edge, which is an aggregation point, which is now going to have to deal with certain sensors in a, with unique business logic. In fact, the, the business case comes together at the edge. And suddenly you've got all these people who thought that they were going to do a, a, an IoT project, maybe buy an off-the-shelf device, like you buy a mobile phone from a phone shop. But actually, it's not. I mean, our experience, we're a hardware company as well as a hardware design company as well as a, as a, uh, as well as a SaaS uh, IoT uh, company, uh, consulting company. But, but I would say 90% of devices and projects that we get involved in re- require custom-specific hardware. Uh, how, how are you finding your, 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 your customers and prospects are wrapping their head around suddenly having to think about hardware when they have spent the last 10, 15 years thinking it's just all in the cloud and you don't have to do it anymore? I mean, uh, I think... That you know, it's not that they were not thinking about hardware, but, but yeah, I think you're right that they were uh, um, reducing the the value or the importance of the hardware in their business. But now we, we I think, how we try to do is uh, as we said to simplify, right? To simplify everything. Like uh, that's why we we a few years ago we acquired the FreeRTOS, which is the open source. Uh, Operating system for uh, microcontrollers yeah. or uh, Greengrass, you know it very well. Uh, in yeah. December, we announced that this is a uh, open source and more uh, modular. So, uh, you know, you can use some uh, modules of uh, Greengrass for your Edge uh, software uh, and take only what you need. So we try to make it easier to uh, our services to work on different uh, all this variety of uh, hardware. And of course, we count on our partners to build the. Uh, First of all, for the consultancy of our partner that our partners provide, but also to build with our partners a hardware that is, um, you know, easier to uh, deploy the AWS IoT services or uh, other things. Um, yeah, and I think with the edge computing, you're right that we'll see more and more everything is coming uh, at the device level, not everything, but the big majority as the years pass. And also that's why for us, in AWS, we think uh, IoT and Edge is super important because not yeah. many things will be in the cloud, but many will be in the factory, yeah. the warehouse, at the terminals for oil and gas. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, when um, prior to me running SI, I, I was at Cisco for 13 years, and, and my last three, four years, um, it's confession time now. My last three, four years, I was actually uh, competing with uh, AWS. I ran the cloud program. Uh, for uh, Cisco globally, cloud managed services. And um, you argue that it failed miserably. <laughs> Not that the goal was to try and stop AWS, but it was actually to try and replicate a lot of what AWS did. But the scale that you guys had was, was very difficult um, to uh, uh, replicate. And in the end, it was more of an embrace strategy. But one of the things I always used to say to people when I was explaining why, why um, AWS was um, so effective was that you really did, in my view, at least two things really, really well is simplify things, uh, demystify, simplify them. And you did it multiple times. It was a, you know, releases of software every day. The DevOps model is, you know, the number of new features that were coming every day, uh, solving problems. And then also scale, the ability to 
really scale in, in, in a simple way. And that's relevant in terms of the hardware because the approach that we've taken um, working with you, you mentioned Greengrass, um, uh, is, is to actually say, how could you apply the lessons of simplifying scale to the hardware level? And so one of the things that we've done, yeah, we have our own routers and we uh, just released a new one, of course, the, the, the Hera 700, which has AWS on there. It's optimized for 5G um, uh, environments, programmable router. Uh, you know, you can program in Python on the cloud and download the application to okay. the edge, edge, edge router. So it, 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 it makes things simpler. We've also taken that, that the scaling down to the silicon level and another announcement that we did um, with you guys was with um, uh, formerly Jamalto, now Talos, um, oh, yeah. uh, where actually you have uh, their um, Intelligent Cloud Connect, which is essentially a module or an edge aggregation uh, a device, uh, which, which contains everything in the silicon. So when you switch the module on or the edge aggregation device on, it, it actually registers as a thing on the AWS IoT thing repository. Uh, the services provision, the security certificate is generated from within AWS IoT and is stored automatically in the module. And the idea is, is that it's, a, it's just two AT commands. Um, it's sort of publish and subscribe, but it's two AT commands um, uh, uh, to turn the device on, which is a, it is a significant... For those uh, listeners who know about how difficult it has been to um, connect devices to hyperscale cloud and to uh, make them secure and register and provision the service, it's a significant breakthrough. And then, of course, you get the ability for it to connect to any network globally. So, so I think we're both on this approach to try and constantly simplify it because as, as much of the, as, 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 the, as the progress is good that we've made so far, Still, the number one feedback we get, at least, is that the, the one of the biggest inhibitors is the complexity. And we started off talking about that. People still come. Yeah, to, yeah. I, still, I still think we've got a way to go, but 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 work in the area of, of hardware and uh, scalability of the silicon layer, the um, uh, the security uh, side, and then giving people the advice. Yeah. It means we're making progress. So and the integration that you mentioned, right? The integration of your uh, connectivity platform with the AWS IoT, which makes it much uh, easier to deploy the yes. cloud to secure your devices. I think, uh, and also with the um, Tails, Zomato, is, is all of these are great. I think examples to the right direction. And I think because we are going now to more maturity with IoT, and when more and more companies are starting uh, using IoT. I don't think that there is so much talent outside, so much, uh, so many experts in the market who are a technical IoT experts. So to help traditional companies, you know, build uh, good products, connect good products. So I, that's why I think this kind of partnerships and the sim- simplicity that we try to bring the market is a way to scale IoT, right? It's a way to exactly. make uh, IoT accessible for uh, more companies, more people. Well, I, actually, I'll tell you a story. We, 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 um, I challenged our, um, uh, our uh, uh, SVP of sales. I won't mention his name on this call. Um, I challenged our said, I said, look, if, if this product is so simple that it will do everything we just talked about, um, then um, a child should be able to use it. And he said, well, I've got one of those. I've got a 12-year-old daughter. So, so uh, we, we, we made her the head of our uh, quality testing uh, uh, department uh, for a week. And so we got these boxes. Wow. 
from Tallis. And, uh, and she's 12-year-old at home. I said, well, just take it home and uh, see if your daughter can make it work without any help from you. And uh, to her credit, uh, she did. Um, uh, she had really? a small issue. She had a small issue, and it was actually due to a, a, an error in the documentation. We then fixed that. But she, I mean, kids are amazing. They, 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 they follow things well, and they're quite happy doing a bit of research. Anyway, she got it to work. So uh, we gave her a certificate as, as a head of uh, 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 testing. Uh, I, I did threaten to um, uh, make the uh, sales uh, the uh, sales manager do the same thing live in front of the rest of the management team, but we, I decided not to not to put him on put him on that platform. But the point, the serious point being, is that when we say things have got to be easy, it's, it can't be a IT definition of easy. I mean, it's sort of like a can a twelve year old do it, and can you truly switch it on? Follow some instructions. It's not it's not instant, but follow some instructions, and within a few minutes. Uh, have it working and and it has to be easy to get the adoption and that's something that we're all working on there are customers out there of course who um are really doing extremely well we always try and highlight them in this podcast um and so um uh I, i've got one in particular i wanted to talk about but but if we go first with yourself um uh, dimitrios can you give us a, perhaps a customer example of, of somebody who you think have uh, done something fairly innovative. Perhaps you mentioned partners, uh, working with a partner uh, that maybe can give a, a shout out to uh, uh, to a customer who's done things well. Yeah, uh, I, I would like maybe to mention one uh, customer who has worked with SI as a partner, but also with another uh, partner here in the uh, UK. The name is uh, Greencaster. So uh, the yeah, customer custard, we have to explain. <laughs> so you said that quickly. Is excuse me for jumping in, but some people say, "What did he say? Uh, did he say?" Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a company, it's a partner of both of us actually, which were formed by Mr. Green and Mr. Custard. Insight to actually call the company Green Custard. So anyway, I just wanted to just explain. Yeah, that. yeah. 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 No need to mention the history of the name, but yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, and it's uh, very interesting how they created the name. But, so this is like a, a local system integrator for uh, IoT, and we work very closely. So um, the customer is uh, Martin Engineering. Yeah. That um, they're an American company, and they are uh, ma- uh, providing uh, bulk uh, material handling uh, equipment and services uh, around the world. So they have um, belt cleaners, conveyancing belts, uh, blades for a mining industry, for a, um, a heavy industrial sectors. They provide the material handling solutions. So what they wanted to do was to connect their um, equipment in order to be able to do real-time remote monitoring to understand uh, you know, the conditions of their equipment and send alerts to the engineers uh, when the belts are going to, uh, when they are very dirty or when they need replacement or when they need to stop the machine and try to do it uh, proactively or to schedule the maintenance at the right time instead of stopping the production of the customers, which would cost them uh, lots of thousands uh, per hour. And uh, yeah, SI was the global uh, connectivity provider. Uh, they wanted a global solution. So they came to SI to have this global uh, coverage. Uh, to be everywhere connected. And they use AWS IoT services like uh, SiteWise, IoT Core, uh, Device Defender that we mentioned, Device Management, 
and our partner uh, Green Castor, they help them uh, bring everything together and deploy it from the US to around the world uh, using cloud for uh, formation and uh, other services. So this is really how a very traditional uh, you know company yeah. uh, with uh, they how they are trying to connect uh, not just one machine in the, the local business, but how they are going at scale to connect their industrial assets, which are expensive and they're really valuable for their customers, and how they go in full production and not the global uh, um, deployments. Interesting that the, the, often when I ask the question about to, to guests on the podcast, can you uh, uh, give a shout out to a, a customer? It's often the innovative, uh, you know, startups or innovative. They and and of course the big potential is for the install base of legacy equipment that's out there. And you mentioned, you know, conveyor belts, an industrial company that's been around for a long time. Yeah. The, the, the payback of of smart enabling legacy equipment, the industrial IoT, or the some people call it the interface between IT and OT, information technology and operational technology. That's actually where a lot of the ROI and the payback. And the opportunity for IoT is, and and if you can actually take classic, um, uh, he- almost heavy equipment uh, type uh, scenarios and smart enable it, uh, the um, uh, the opportunity is huge. Not least in which the most common uh, business case we've seen is is, and I'm sure it's the case here, um, is the maintenance process, is the ability to um, interrogate devices to find out what's wrong before you actually send somebody out there to find mm-hmm. out. To confirm that it's wrong, to then go back to get the part that they now know that they need to come back. represents yeah, downtime, and so the ROI uh, for doing that is huge. If you can then do that globally with the same solution, you know, the same SIM, the same connectivity, uh, the same cloud solution, the same security policy, that the paybacks are enormous because previously this stuff wasn't possible. I'm going to give a shout yeah. out to. Uh, Nick, sorry, just to mention this, I think uh, the industrial sector is where I think we see the most uh, interest and demand this year, which is very interesting. And especially from the traditional companies that they are starting now their uh, you know IoT journey. And uh, the, usually the business case is that uh, if their uh, production stop for one hour, they may lose uh, you know 300k, dollars yes. or pounds, whatever, or half a million in the mining industry, you know, oil and gas, where it's, so the business case is so clear for uh, these companies uh, using IoT. Yes. Which is uh, fascinating. Totally yeah. agree. I, I, but yeah, I, please tell me your, uh, your favorite example. Of the yeah. Customer. Yeah. Well, well, just on this one, I just want to highlight that again, what you just said, because I think a lot of people have missed that. Um, I'm actually going to give it a, an example of a startup, but, but, but before I do the, like you said, you know, what is one hour of downtime worth to you or cost you, right? And, 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 and it can be 10,000, 100,000. It can be half a minute. I mean, the oil wellhead, uh, you know, if, if you can't drill or, or you have to stop the rig, you know, it can be a million dollars. And at that point, you suddenly realize that that's where the opportunity is. But people don't know how to IoT enable legacy Products. Measure the value sometimes. Yeah. And and that's what you can do with these edge aggregation devices because the thing about a conveyor belt, or we have customers that do big industrial boilers, we have 2,000 customers, and I guess most of them are in the legacy product space. But these products all have controllers on them. 
so they have a small port where you can plug a little cable in um, and you can get information out of them. And often engineers use that information just to diagnose it when they're on site. But the moment, the fact that you have a, a, a controller in the device of some sort, perhaps with an RS-232 interface or something, means you can put an edge aggregation device in with cellular and actually start to do this remotely and then start to actually uh, do the sort of case studies that we're talking about. So I do believe that ITOT is almost a forgotten area of IT and I think of IoT. And I think that's where a lot of the case studies, I totally agree with you. A lot of the big success case studies will be with this huge install base of legacy equipment that's not smart and is about to become smart. So having said all of that, I do want to give a shout out to a company. It's actually a company that um, has just won an award. Um, it won an award from Juniper Research for uh, the most innovative, um, uh, I believe the title is the most innovative IoT solution. It's a company called uh, Alcuris, A-L-C-U-R-I-S. And we talked about areas in which uh, IoT makes a contribution, and this is in the healthcare um, uh, area. It's a it's a very simple but uh, on uh, on paper idea, but one which I think we can all identify with. And it's to do with, again, it's pattern matching. Uh, it's another area of pattern matching, but in this case, it's humans and their behavior and actually elderly relatives. So so the idea of, I don't know, let's yeah. say your, your mom is uh, living uh, on her own and, and you're worried about her and, and the idea of putting little sensors around the house, tiny little things. They could be in the bed so you can find out whether she's lying on the bed or She's out of bed. They could be on the bathroom door. Has she passed the bathroom door to go to the bathroom of the night? And and then, you you know, by the kettle, has the kettle been switched on? Uh, it's a British company, so switch on for a cup of tea. And 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 then the idea is by putting these sensors around the phone, you, you very rapidly build up a, a pattern of predictable behavior. And what you can then say is, uh, well, I'm going to have an alert, which is if mum gets out of bed in the night, goes to the bathroom, but doesn't get back in bed, then alert, obvious one. Or yeah. it's made a cup of tea, her cup of tea, hasn't made a cup of tea and it's 20 minutes later than normal, maybe I'll call her. So this all goes into the phone. And it's a very um, simple idea, but the, 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 the market segment, you talk about the ROI, the market segment is the care home uh, a business where people send carers out into the community. And yeah. the idea is that the, uh, well, the, the the thing that they're addressing is that often uh, people will get you know three visits in a day from different carers calling in on the same person, and so there are tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of carers working for councils whose job it is just to go and check on people. You don't get the human element, but you do. You can perhaps say, you know what, you should either uh, prioritize uh, who you don't need to check on because they seem to be. Uh, okay, or the other side of it, no, 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 go back to this person now. They're not due a check, but there's something going on. So it actually is a great thing for the, um, obviously, the patients. It's a great thing for the uh, local councils. And this is a, local councils are loving it because it allows them to optimize exactly, the community. Yeah. Very simple. And of course, for relatives who can get all the information from the phone. It, it's a very, yeah. very simple idea. These sensors are very cheap. They're very small. They're easily to install. And again, it's pattern matching, which comes back to your machine learning thing. And you can imagine in the future, you could really start taking this to many, many more levels once you introduce machine learning into these uh, healthcare uh, environments. 
Exactly. And and I think like uh, we shouldn't, you mentioned the human element, right? But I think if a council is able to reduce the three visits just to, with, which have the purpose just to check if the elder is fine, they can do like one visit per day maximum, but this could be like 20 minutes full yes, of human interaction. Exactly. Full of human have a, have a discussion yeah. and, a, and a chat, which might be the only, they may be the only person they speak to that day. And exactly, so the idea yeah. of, of, of all the benefits around mental health and, and uh, uh, combating loneliness. I, and that's really, some of the IoT health studies, are, uh, case studies are, are quite touching in terms of what IoT does, not from a technology point of view, but what IoT can do to change people's quality of life. And, and, exactly. and I think some of them are, are quite, quite amazing what they can do. And you're absolutely right. You know, just spend more time with somebody, um, quality uh, time. yeah, quality time, yeah, uh, for both the patient and the carer, actually. Well, listen, we yeah. can talk for hours, uh, Demetrios, because I know we've got <laughs> many, many customers um, uh, together. Um, but I did want to perhaps uh, bring this together and uh, with one final question and say, I'm sure people have been fascinated by this um, uh, conversation. If people want more information, is there any source of information or where they could go? To get more um, uh, get more information about what it is that you guys do. Yeah, uh, first of all, if this for something specific, uh, you know, they can reach out to me uh, by LinkedIn, Dimitrios Filopoulos IoT, or Dimitrios IoT, and they will find me. But uh, also, um, for sure, they can find many information on the website AWS IoT if they Google, uh, they will find it. But also recently, I think this is very important and especially for existing uh, AWS customers or for uh, companies that are considering to use the AWS IoT services. We recently published uh, a well-architecture review, which is a very popular document from AWS, but so far it was a general for cloud uh, IT services. But now we will um, publish the document, which is well-architecture review with IoT lens. So it's focusing uh, only on the IoT and covers security, scalability, reliability, resilience, uh, access, access uh, control. So all of these uh, things, like best, best practices that someone uh, should follow around the AWS IoT. And uh, yeah, if you check a uh, well-architecture review IoT lens, you will uh, find it uh, online and it's free to download. And Great. So let, let's... Uh... Bring it to conclusion. Thanks again, uh, Demetrios, for your time and your insight and indeed your uh, partnership between the uh, two companies. Um, You've been listening to the IoT Leaders uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. And uh, thanks again for the discussion. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at si.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.